Draper City Talk is a podcast produced by the Municipal Government of Draper City, Utah, where we discuss local government services and issues and the community at large. This is Mayor Troy Walker, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Draper City Talk. And today, um, we're going to be talking to um, a couple of our great, great city employees, our fire chief and our, our, our deputy fire chief. But I want to introduce to you, for, as we get going, uh, Linda Peterson, again, is our communications director. Hello. So today, like I said, today is kind of a, it's kind of a unique day. I was just informed by uh, our, our fire chief, Mr. Clint Smith, who's with us that today is the five-year anniversary of your employment as Draper City Fire Chief. That's correct, Mayor. So, Clint, tell us a little bit about that. Tell us what, five years ago, what you were thinking. Uh, Five years ago today, uh, as I walked into Draper City Hall uh, for the first time to begin my employment here, um, I was immensely grateful for the opportunity and the trust that had been placed in me. And at the same time, I was uh, honestly scared to death. Um, the, the task at hand um, at that point, um, that day become a very quick reality um, of what needed to, to happen over the next nine months in order to be prepared for us to be able to stand up a functioning fire department. I remember, because uh, I was the one that led the charge on uh, forming our own fire department, I remember I'm the one that picked you and appointed you and I wanted you for some specific reasons. One, because I knew you had tremendous experience not only with, with the fire department, but the ability to communicate and, and do the things that fire chiefs do. But I also, knowing, knowing your dad, who was our former mayor, the one before me, who's one of my heroes and mentors, frankly, um, I know of no family that works harder than the Smiths. So I knew that if we got Clint to do the job, he would work his tail off no matter what, and it would get done. So it was, it was good. How many fire trucks and how many employees did you have on day one? On day one, um, the staff meeting consisted of me, and it was a great meeting. Um, <laughs> there was no uh, no objections to any of the talking points that day. Uh, it was very short. No, uh, again, day one was just me. And it was just me for about the first three months. We had no equipment, no fire trucks. We had the stations because we had those forever. Yep. But uh, all of a sudden we were, we were, you were, you started from the ground up. Absolutely. And, and starting, talking about starting from the ground up. Um, really there was no place to even house me or office me. So as I came into City Hall, I got set up in what is the city manager's conference room uh, today. And uh, that was my office for the first uh, first month and a half. Uh, and then an office opened up just because of a deployment of the si- assistant city manager at the time. And uh, as as we progressed through that building process again of now determining how we're going to acquire all of the necessary equipment. And as you mentioned, that was everything. We had buildings, and that was it. We yeah. had to procure all of the fire trucks, all of the, the necessary equipment, all the medical equipment, the ambulances, and most importantly, the personnel. Yeah, now let's talk about that because the guy sitting next to you is one of the key personnel, Mr. Bart Baudry. Um, you went out and you got Bart. So exactly. Again, as I, those first couple of weeks, as I started to form, formulate my plan, put it on paper as far as the things that I needed, I knew I needed obviously strong leadership uh, to, to help me. And that came in with sound experience and knowledge in very specific areas. And the first person that I had on the top of my list that I felt like had to be on our team was Bart Vaudry. 
Bart, say hello. Hello, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for the kind words. And we, we like Bart. Bart's a longtime Draper resident, like, like, like Clint. Grew up, you grew up in Draper, Bart? Born and raised, yes. Well, so you've been here from, from when it was a really you know, dairy farm town to what it is today. Correct, yep. I spent my, uh, most of my summers gathering eggs at, at Hallett's Egg Farm. So. Very good. We're lucky to have Bart, because if, if any of you know him or if you had a chance, when you get a chance to meet him, when you think of the firefighter that might come through your door when your house is on fire to haul your butt out the door, Bart's that guy, and Bart can do it. He can knock the door down. He can put it back up for you, too, but he can get through. He can get you out of your house. Um, and the other amazing thing about Bart and why we're so lucky in Draper is not only is Bart a great leader, but he's got experience in some of the most important aspects of what we do and what we have to worry about. Wildland fire in particular is probably the top guy in the country um, when it comes to dealing with what we have to deal with, with our urban wildland interface. So we're fortunate to have Bart. Yeah, uh, Mayor, if I can just add to that again, when you when I was tasked with building a department and knowing, again, the key aspects, and, and you just mentioned what I think we've all known for a long time and is our uh, biggest threat to our community is our wildland urban interface. And so we knew that that had to be a focus of how we built our department from day one. And again, there's a lot of other players on that team within our organization. Uh, but as you mentioned, Bart had a very good sound understanding of not only the structure world, but the wildland world, along with logistics and apparatus and all of those other key components, all of these major pieces that we had to put together to build this complete package for us to be, be ready to provide service on July 1 of 2017. Well, we're, we're lucky. I, I still say the most, the coolest thing I've ever done as mayor is when I went with, with Clint and, and did you go on that trip with this part? No. To Appleton? Yeah. We went back to Appleton, Wisconsin to the fire truck store where we walk, you walk in and if you're, if you're, you know, a person who likes fire trucks and trucks, you walk into this place, it's a plant where they start from bare steel beams and, and stuff, and they build these fire trucks from the ground up. And it was, it was one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do. It, we went through the whole process. We saw this from raw steel to it being cut into parts to seeing the fire trucks that we have built. So it was really phenomenal. Um, coolest experience I've, I've ever done. And I still can't get up the ladder yet, but there's going to be a day. When we were testing the ladder truck, uh, <laughs> Chief Smith, he ran the ladder up, and he's like, he just climbs right on up the top, and I thought, I could do that. And I got about to the second rung, and I decided I wasn't ready to go up. So That would be a fun contest to have in the city. We'll get, get you up, up there. The ladder. It, it, was a, it was a great experience. One, obviously, to be back there, it was uh, the mayor and our city manager at the time to be able to go back as we now are looking for these components of fire engines, a major component of what we need to be able to run a, a fire department and to, to see this particular uh, manufacturer and how they, they build those. And uh, and to be there with the mayor as he's like, yeah, I think I can do that. And he got about, like say about nine or 10 rungs up the ladder and said, nope, good enough. And right back down he came. <laughs> well, it was a great experience. And uh, you know, if you're wondering, these fire trucks are hand built literally by people, doctors. Welded together by human beings and uh, quite phenomenal. All right, you guys, let's get into the let's get into talking about firefighters and what it means in Draper. So, give us a little bit of insight into what a firefighter does. Let's talk about first if we could talk about give us a typical shift 
and then um, what it's like to live together at a fire station. Sure, Mark? I'll jump on that. Um, you know, the typical shift, it, it starts out, they'll come in and they'll do their roll call and kind of line out their day as far as training and um, activities. They've got station tours, things like that. Um, then they jump right into vehicle checks and maintenance. Uh, that usually takes a couple hours of your morning. Just make sure all of your equipment is ready to roll. It's good to go. Um, if we have any issues, it gets reported directly to me, and then I, I take it up and handle it. So um, after that, you know, like I said, they've got... The majority of their day is is packed with training. We do building inspections, annual building inspections, medical training, fire training, rescue training, it's, and then calls in between that. So we, we have one of the busier stations on the south end at, at our main station. So they, they run a fair number of calls, and in between that, they're usually training. And we try to let them get some, some downtime. They do work 48 hours. So a lot of times they're up at night. So. So the shift is a 48-hour shift. Yeah, and they have 96 hours off. And typically, um, in those 96, most of them are working an extra shift or two in there. So, so it's uh, it's it's pretty tiring, but you know we we love it. What's it like living together, all of you firefighters, in the same place? <laughs> well, it's just like it would be at your home. You figure uh, if if you were living with your brothers and sisters, that's pretty much how it would be. Um, we. We get to, we build good bonds. Um, it truly is a, a family network, and like any good family, we we have our moments. So we can we have a lot of fun. Uh, we also have some not so fun times with each other. We get sick of each other on occasion, but for the most part, I think um, our our crews get along really well, and you know, we have to. We spend a third of our lives together. I'm curious about the meal planning. Like, who's responsible for making sure we, everyone has yeah, we, food and who cooks it? We take turns. Um, well, I say we. I haven't been in a station for five years since you brought me over <laughs> here. But um, we, we take turns. So we, we all pay in in the morning at roll call. We'll, we'll pay in for our meals, and then we take turns cooking. Most of us are pretty good cooks. I know I, I've learned a, in my 30 years in the fire service, I've learned how to cook. So... Uh, we eat well. We go shopping together. So you'll see a fire truck at the grocery store, and so we're we're all there shopping together, just kind of like you would take your family with you shopping. And everybody gets their their treats for the for the round, and and we shop for our meals. And I think there's a couple of very unique things about the fire service when it comes to station life that you brought up, Mayor. And again, uh, Chief Audrey just mentioned that we spend a third of our life at the fire station. Because of the schedule we work, we're basically 10 days a month uh, at the fire station and the rest at home. Um, but when you're with a group of individuals consistently for 48 hours at a time, cooking together, doing station chores together, going on calls together, training together, it, you become obviously, it's a family for us in the fire service. You know, Everything there is to know about the individual, you know, everything there is to know about their family. Um, you know, families come to the stations to visit. 48 hours away is a long time. So families come and visit. And uh, I know uh, growing up in the service, uh, Bart and I have both, you know, been on crews and encouraged our crews to take time to have their families come, have all their families come at the same time to have those dinners together. Um, and share that family bond that exists, not just between our personnel, but throughout all of their families. Again, it's a very unique uh, 
service to be in and how those bonds are formed because in an instant you go from sitting around a station you know kind of joking and eating and having a good time to being on a very very serious call whether it's serious in nature for an injured patient uh, or a sick patient or it's a fire related call to where we are now putting our trust very much in our co-workers to make sure that we go in and do the job that we've trained and prepared for and that we, we come out safe and we go home safe. Yeah, now let, let's talk a little bit about that. I've had the unique opportunity probably to come over and watch you guys train. And I've, I had a chance to come over when we there was a neighborhood west of the freeway kind of by Ikea that when the developer had purchased it, they gave you the opportunity to essentially burn down some homes and, and do different things that give your give your, all your firefighters an opportunity to see what it's like in a real fire. Now, I want to say this. I, when you guys suit up and, you're, and you roll up on a fire, I didn't appreciate until I came over and did this how unbelievably dangerous, hot, and just flat-out scary it is. That building, I mean, you guys got me a little closer to the building than I probably wanted to get. And I'm going to tell you, the heat, um, the fact that you've got, we've got people that will, will stop eating, get in a truck, drive to someone's house that's on fire, and go in to the fire is amazing. Um, because I, I felt the heat. Um, I know you have the mask, you have all that stuff, but it's I don't care what you say. I don't know if there's anything scarier or more just uh, over the top for, for fear, frankly. I, I don't think I could even possibly do your job, but I'm glad you guys do it. Talk a little bit about... Um, and and. In Draper, we've only been around about what we're on our four-year, five-year anniversary coming up this year. Um, we've we've had firefighters go to California every year since I think we've been in a, a fire department. We've had we've had firefighters out fighting some of the biggest fires in the country, um, all of Oregon, Washington, California. We we've had tragedy in our department. Let's talk a little bit about that because you guys, when you say you're a family, you're like brothers, you're like brothers and sisters. Let's talk a little bit about, we, we lost a firefighter early kind of in our, in our fire department's history out on a California fire that was a big, massive fire. Let's talk a little bit about the mental challenges of your tough job. If you guys want to weigh in, tell us a little bit about what it's like. You know, maybe go over that. We don't have to go, we know, we, you know, we, we miss Matt. And, you know, but talk a little bit about what that's like as a firefighter to have that kind of tragedy come and how you guys deal with the stress of your dangerous jobs. You bet. Um, you, to your point, Mayor, um, you know, we get into this job and profession knowing what the risks are. And it certainly takes a, a certain type of person um, to, to be able to do it. Uh, we're all fairly type A personalities. Um, we're all, you know, go-getters. I and thought Bart was kind of a type B. Well, yeah, we can discuss of, that in another kind of an podcast. right? <laughs> But it, it certainly does take, but what it comes down to is obviously training and being prepared and letting that training kick in um, in whatever that given situation is. And we start uh, with our new hires. We put them through a rigorous recruit training process to make sure that they possess all of the skills and abilities necessary to perform this job. And it includes, you know, burning, uh, live fire training burns um, so that they uh, get a sense of what that heat feels like. There, there's no way to explain to somebody what that heat feels like, what that immense 
darkness in a completely smoke-filled room feels like or is like to try and operate on. And we have to give people those experiences uh, and train in a way that will prepare them for when the day comes that they have to put those skills to work. And so we're very proud of uh, the process. We're very proud of the skills that our people have. And we're very proud of the family that we are to take care of each other, which I think kind of leads to your second point of, you know, the, the tragedy that we've experienced in our short career. We have deployed multiple times uh, out of state to assist in wildland firefighting. Our first de deployment was actually only uh, three months after Draper Fire came into existence. It was in October of 2017. Uh, that was our first deployment. And uh, again, we knew that that was a threat to our community. We knew that that was a program that we needed to focus heavily on. And by sending people out to assist, they get invaluable training and experience that they bring home for the benefit of our community. And so we have been heavily invested in that program from the start. Now fast forward to uh, August of 2018. Uh, again, the call came for assistance in California. Uh, the Mendocino Complex fire was the particular fire which up until this year had been the largest fire in California's history. That changed this year with the Dixie fire. But the Mendocino Complex fire uh, was a, a challenge. It uh, consumed communities in California. And again, we were eager to help and assist. And we sent a crew of four individuals with a, a strike team leader or a task force leader, which was our battalion chief, Matt Burchett at the time, to go and assist. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we all know uh, on that deployment on August 13th of 2018, uh, Matt was killed in the line of duty on the Mendocino Complex fire. Um, he was not only serving the people of California, he was honestly serving everyone in this nation who um, is deals with these types of natural disasters uh, every year and he was out there as a leader with our crew making sure that they were safe and they were all safe and uh, that that has been a significant challenge for us as a very young department you never you never want to experience a line of duty death um, in, in this profession ever I certainly never wanted to as the chief of a department. Um, I, I, there's chiefs that are lucky and fortunate enough to go their whole career without experiencing that. And I experienced it, unfortunately, very early in my time as a chief. Well, but what I can tell you is that that has been one of the biggest growing experiences, I think, for our department, but certainly for me personally. As a mayor, um, and hoping never to experience any of our folks' line of duty death, um, that particular one, Bart, you and I, yep. we went up to, to tell Matt's wife yep. what had happened. And I'm telling you, did. I, I, I don't ever want to have to do that again. Um, that was probably, uh, it's an experience I'll never forget. Um, to, you know, it just, it was a tough, tough thing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's tough. You guys do, you guys do real seriously dangerous work. And... Bart, tell us a little bit about, you You were up on the Oregon fire um, last year. Correct. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, that burned a lot of homes and structures as well. Uh, so we went up there. <clears throat> it, well, first of all, it, the reason we do these wildland deployments is, you know, we, we can read a book all we want, right? You can learn about fire behavior, but 
you, you, you can predict it to a point, but fire is it's truly unpredictable. And until you get in some of these situations and see some of the fire behaviors, you're, you're not going to know how to react in the appropriate way, right? So, so our main goal with deploying our personnel to these fires is, one, to get them qualified and certified, and two, to have those experiences and, and see some of those fire behaviors. So when we have that incident here in Draper, and unfortunately we will have that incident here in Draper, we're capable of handling it, right? Before we get our our support in from the state or the national or you know whoever's coming in to support us, we need to have that network in place so we can set up that that incident so we can succeed, right? So in Oregon, <laughs> back to your question, I apologize, but um, in Oregon, it, we saw some some very radical fire behaviors up there. That it's it's as dry as it's ever been. In Oregon, I don't think they've ever seen it that dry. On the coastal side, right? They, you know, Oregon's kind of split in half. But on the coastal side, I don't think they've ever seen humidities as low as they have. It's something that we're used to in Utah. The one thing that we don't have that we're not used to is the big timber fires like they're fighting in the West right now. You know, when, when we have a timber fire, it's in an uninhabited area. You know, when they have a timber fire, it's burning through communities. So we went there as a strike team of type one engines. Actually, we went as a task force team. We had a couple of type sixes with us. Um, so our, our main objective was to protect homes. So we spent the majority of the time wrapping houses, um, set, setting up hose lines. We did go direct a few times um, to try to do some backburns to, to try to li uh, limit the fuel when the fire was coming through some of these communities. So, um, the experiences they get, the devastation that we saw in Oregon was something like I've never seen. It it blew through communities that that you wouldn't think it would blow through just because of the the weather and and the topography there. So it just total devastation. It, it took out entire towns at a time. So we we you know have the horrible experience of losing one of our own. Right. Um, but we go do these things because other states need our help, and uh, we help each other. And there's going to come a day when we're going to need their help. Yeah. And I want, to, I want to say, too, when we lost Matt, I want to just briefly give California some credit. Sometimes they don't get it. But I want you to know that it was the governor of California that made sure Matt got transported home, made sure Matt's family got to be there. The California Air National Guard brought Matt home um, at the direct order of the governor. Yeah, governor um, Brown. Governor Brown. Um, you know, some people don't like Jerry Brown, but I'll tell you what, when we needed Jerry to help us, and they were grateful. We have a, we have a letter out on the wall out in the, out in the hallway it talks about how grateful California was for what, what you know, not only our community, but well, people that go and help. Let's talk a little bit about the services that we provide. Since you see, you, you get to go out and watch Protect Homes and maybe in some other states, you get to, you get to train. Talk about kind of what, what do we do? What, what, what can the Draper citizen expect from Draper sure. City Fire Department? So, I mean, obviously, our, our, one of our main focuses is on the wildland urban interface, right? That's... That's probably our number one priority and our number one threat as far as the fire department is concerned in our community. Uh, we also, the majority of our calls are medical calls. We have uh, paramedics, EMTs. Minimum licensure we, we carry is EMT. Uh, we also do our own transports and we have a, a good relationship with our local hospital that, that we do transfers out of there as well. Um, with <laughs> We, we kind of touched on the wildland. We have a major thoroughfare running through our city with I-15, so um, we spend a lot of time out there. Uh, 
And, it, and that could be more dangerous, <laughs> as Bart you, knows. Yeah, I knew you were going to get to that. that. Yep. And Bart, tell us a little bit about that, Bart. How, how you managed to find I'd yourself not. in the air. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, 2018 again, it was a pretty bad year for us. Um, it was Chief Smith out of town that day? It was, both times, yeah, yes. Both times, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's not allowed to go out of town anymore. When he goes out of town, where I'm always like, this, oh boy, here we <laughs> He's go. not allowed to go out of town, and I'm not allowed to get on the freeway. So, uh, yeah, icy day up on I-15. Um, just the way that the address hit, I happened to get on a different exit than our engine. And typically, we'll use our heavy apparatus to kind of block traffic, especially if it's icy. Um, um, <laughs> I ended up on the accident first with my little fire SUV and it wasn't sufficient enough to block traffic. Um, I, I ended up getting hit by a car going about 45, 50 miles an hour and it chucked me through there and I spent a little time in the hospital, so. Wow. Yeah, again, uh, another, another <laughs> thing I don't want to do, go down the hospital and right. see one of our, our, you know, our, our deputy chief uh, there laying there, but I remember when I got the call, it was, we were worried, we thought it was bad, but you, you're tough as a bull, so. Yeah, found out I bounce. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Mayor, if I could really quick, you know, obviously we do all of the normal things that happens when someone calls 911. They call 911, we're going to respond, whether it's fire, medical, you know, rescue, all of those things. Uh, we have highly trained people. We have critical care medics that deal with our transports. Uh, but one of the other things I really want to point out that we do is we do a ton of community education. And honestly, that is the, the really fun, enjoyable part of the job is being able to interact with our community. Uh, you know, we, we do offer our CERT programs. We offer a push to survive for CPR. Uh, we are in the middle of our Citizens Academy to where we allow people to come in and spend eight, you know, eight weeks, one night a week with us learning the job of a firefighter hands-on. Um, we've got our fire prevention week next week uh, with our fire uh, safety open house that we're doing with a ton of activities being engaged with the community on community education that that is just such a, a fun part of the job to be able to engage in that in that fun environment instead of an emergency environment well we're we're very fortunate in Draper to have the highest quality fire department I think in the country and our citizens love you guys they do they you're out you're about um, you come to every city event you're always, you're, you're firefighters and paramedics are everywhere. The people can see them, can interact with them. Um, I think the, the community holds you in as high a regard as you can hope to be held. I mean, they're, they're grateful for you. Um, I'm, I'm very happy that we went to our own department for a lot of reasons, but I think the most important reason is it is our fire department and you're out in our city still talking to our citizens, protecting our property and, and it's just, we're just, we're just blessed to have such amazing people. You, you went from zero fire, zero one guy to a full fire department in nine months. Um, I, I don't know if, I, I didn't, I wasn't really sure you could do it. I had some faith, but I know how hard there, you, I know there, how, were, there were some days uh, going back to that, those early days as Bart came on and then we hired uh, battalion chief. Kevin Holt after that, and all three of us got to share one office together here at City Hall, so we were very tight. Uh, we had amazing things going on, but there were certainly days, too, where we all kind of looked at each other and went, I, I don't know if we're going to make it, but we did. And we have an amazing group of individuals that are highly skilled, highly dedicated, 
And more importantly than that, we have amazing support, not only from you, Mayor, our council, uh, our city manager and all city staff, but our residents. They have been wholly welcoming and supportive of us through this crazy adventure uh, over the past five years now for me. And it has been truly one of the, one of the highlights of my professional career. Yeah, we, and you know, I've had the opportunity to work with you guys a lot sometimes. When, when Chief Smith's out of town, that's when stuff happens. And <laughs> last year, uh, right in the middle of the pandemic, uh, our good friends in Lehigh were handing out Roman candles to their citizens. And uh, I, I told Mayor Johnson that last week, and he didn't like it. But they were handing out these Roman candles, and they were letting them shoot them off in the neighborhood. Well, they started a fire with these illegal fireworks. And I'll, I'll never forget, I, I was up on the top of the, of the highs up I could get on a paved road, and Bart was over on the fire line. And uh, I called Bart because you could see it coming up over the mountain, and my job was then to help these guys decide and go ahead and issue the evacuate one of our neighborhood order. And I'll, I'll never forget, I called Bart and I said, how bad is it? Now, I can't say what Bart said uh, on this podcast without the, maybe you could do your Bart. It, was, it looked pretty bad, didn't it? Um, it did, and yeah. We actually evacuated one of the neighborhoods, yes, and uh, we set up a Red Cross thing at, uh, at uh, Draper Park Middle School. Um, I went down there and met with them, and we were really fortunate that the fire did not come over the ridge. Had it come over the ridge, it would have been an Oregon or a California, but I want you to know those guys were on it, and they were, they were the safety of the citizens was paramount, and so in, in an abundance of caution, the, the advice was given, let's, let's get everybody out, and most of the people were very happy about it, and then nobody lost any part. But again, like you guys said, it's coming. There's going to be a day when, you know, we have, we have, we just got to continue to be vigilant, but... Uh, Legal disclaimer, Lehigh City did not actually hand out Roman candles. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, uh, they did not. They did not. But, uh, it was actually Roman candles that started it. Uh, so not if provided you, by Lehigh uh, City. If you think that you can do Roman candles and not start a fire, you're wrong. So, um, yeah. You know, really quick, Mayor, I just want to say one thing about that incident, and it comes to partnerships. You have a great relationship with... Mayor Johnson there. I have a great relationship with uh, their fire chief, Jeremy Kraft there. He called us immediately. And it's through those relationships that we're able to work together for the benefit of both of our communities. And that happened that night. And the good news is nobody lost a structure in Lehigh either. And nope. they were close. But their fire department did a phenomenal job. Yes, they did. Um, and you're right. We worked together with our sister communities good. Um, but uh, folks, Draper, you have the best fire service you, you can buy. Um, yeah. You can't do better than you've got the great, best people in the world. Best chief, best deputy chief, best fire trucks, all of it. Yeah, so. Mayor, I think there's so much to cover with related to fire services that we're going to have to have them back for a couple more episodes of the podcast because they just do so much for the community. So we'll plan on that. Yeah, we, absolutely. So thank you guys for joining us. Thank and, you, Mayor. Uh, thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. For timely information on city news, events, traffic alerts, and public safety emergencies, you may subscribe to email or text notifications from Draper City by visiting draperutah.gov forward slash notify or follow us on social media at Draper City Utah on Facebook and at Draper City on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. This has been Draper City Talk. Please join us again.